0: if you wanna keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, or use the voicemail at
2: 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080, or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com.
0: United Armies of the Spoilerverse! Ooh, 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 ooh. welcome back to Spoiler (laughs) Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is the, well, I want to say implorable, but I don't think I could say it in that way. We'll just say the sadistic, Mr. Horsley. Sadistic. And today (laughs) on the show, well, we're lucky to have Karina Becko, aren't we?
2: We are, man, and Melissa sat down with her and talked about the, her comic The Expanse, Invisible of the Republic, and her career as a zoologist, and there's some fun stuff in here about uh, people you know, The without giving too much away, talking about Star Wars fans and the writers who they perceive as being the writers versus who the writers really are.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to sit down and listen to this, because that's, that's an interesting... You could say that about any kind of fan base.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it, yeah. It's a
0: lot just, of fun. You think the author is one way, mm-hmm. especially when they're writing fiction. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's interesting. I like that. I can't wait to listen to this now. So should we just get into it?
2: Uh, yeah, let's get into it and hear Melissa and uh, Karina in their own words.
1: Thrilled to welcome prose and comic book writer of Star Wars Legacy, Invisible Republic, Heathen Town, and many more, Miss Karina Beko. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. How are you doing this evening? Pretty good. I really can't complain. Awesome, awesome. Well, you know, you've you've worked on some really cool projects and franchises in various different genres but i read that you you started out writing in the horror genre and i was just curious you know what what about that genre did you love and you know why were you drawn to it so much
3: you know it's interesting i feel like a horror can encompass a lot of other things you can play in areas that have a lot of emotion and you can touch on things that in other genres are kind of off limits you can have romance and a thriller and any of those things work with horror but you can also really get at some of the stuff that I like from sci-fi as well which is interpersonal relationships and Mm -hmm. politics and kind of personify those sorts of fears that we all have but Mm -hmm. make them concrete in a way that I mean I, I personally think that horror can sometimes be a very almost a utopian genre because a lot of times, people confront a horrible fear, and the worst thing that could possibly happen. And sometimes they don't make it, and sometimes they do make it. But either way, they actually fought it, mm-hmm. and I think that's a very hopeful way to express things.
1: Yeah, that's no, that's a really interesting way to look at it. And I, bet, do you feel like you have more story arc, or I should say, character arc with the characters in horror, like as far as stretching them and you know pushing their limits? You know,
3: I think that often you really can do that, and. Also, I feel like there's a lot more room in horror for, this might sound counterintuitive, but often for female characters and non-binary characters and characters that you can't as easily shoehorn in, or that maybe people don't accept as easily in Mm. other genres. And you can have them in horror and have them be fully realized and uh, for whatever reason because of the deep emotion I think people really connect with with them when in other genres
1: they might be like hey wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly well and Town was that was your debut comic correct yeah. yeah and so what was so is that how did you get into comics you know what was your, your like foray into it how did you break into it did you always want to be a comic book writer you know, I've been actually really,
3: really lucky. I have kind of dual tracks in my life. I have a science background, but I mm-hmm. also do writing. And sometimes mm-hmm. they intermingle and sometimes they don't. But with Town, I'd written a lot of prose shorts that had been published that okay. were horror, usually occasionally sci-fi. And my writing partner, Gabriel Hardman, is a very good artist, amazing artist. And okay. we used to, well, <laughs> before the in the before times, before the <laughs> pandemic, um, before we were published and making a lot of comics, we would go to San Diego years and years ago. Before it was San Diego, as right? Know. <laughs> and at one point, we just were there, and we we're like, you know, we should combine what we do and make a comic, and that was Heathen Town. I grew up in Florida, so it's a very personal story because it's set in the Everglades. And I just really wanted to write something with that feel of old Florida. And he did all the artwork and we shopped it around. I didn't expect anything to happen, but Image Shadowline picked it up. So I was very lucky because that's unusual for your first time out. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't have amazing artists on board.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And so after that, how, what was like your first major comic book company? I know you've worked on a lot of different things, Green Lantern and Star Wars. Was it, uh, was DC soon after? Well, actually
3: not long after that, I was offered a short for Marvel. And then I actually did a couple of Once Upon a Time, that the television series. I oh, did yeah. graphic novels with for Marvel Disney. That Well, at that point, it was with Marvel through Disney and it was working with the creators of the show. So those were actually really fun. And both of them were New York Times bestsellers, which was oh, awesome. I mean, because of me, it was because, you know, people love that show, but it was really fun to <laughs> work in that that world. And from there, I started getting some other stuff. Like, yeah, I did some work with Dynamite. I actually got to do a alien Vampirella, mm-hmm. process, which was a lot of fun. That's so
1: cool. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. And yeah, a lot of sci fi after that. Very cool. And then, you know, I I always like to ask because, you know, we don't, we obviously get more men on the show than women. Mm -hmm. And I like to showcase more, you know, women in the industry and as being a woman in a male dominated industry, you know, how has that experience been like for you?
3: You know, it's interesting because, of course, I don't know any anything different, but it is very, sometimes I go along and I don't think about it at all, mm-hmm. and other times I realize that uh, most of what I'm offered is often writing women, which, mm. you know, it makes sense in a certain way, and uh, that was one reason it was kind of nice to co-write Green Lantern, though, because it was a straight-up superhero adventure where the main character was a man, and that was... I realized while working on that how unusual that was, because I believe at the time we were working on the first volume, I was the only woman at that time working on a male superhero at DC Comics. Oh, wow. And somebody brought that up in an interview. I didn't realize it. Like, I didn't do that research myself. And they, they asked me about that. And I went,
1: what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, that's that's shocking. <laughs>
3: right? So it's it's interesting, like, you know, every once in a while, I'm just kind of brought up short or there was a time at a con where I was sitting under a banner with my name on it. And it was when I was working on Star the Star Wars legacy books. And someone started arguing with me that I couldn't be Karina Becko because <laughs> Karina Becko wrote Star Wars, a Star Wars book. And everybody knows that women don't write those.
1: Oh, um, my God.
3: It's on my name tag. It's on my table. You are standing at my table. <laughs> And so occasionally things like that come up where it's still, you see the dichotomy, but the rest of the time when I'm just at home working on something, I don't think about it at all. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. And I guess, you know, it's good though, because the more you, you get out there and the more work you get, you know, it just paves the way for more women and it makes it more acceptable and people aren't just, you know, reacting like that, like that person did, you know, (laughs) for the Star Wars thing, you know? To be fair, that was that was years ago, and currently, I just did a a short, uh,
3: little short thing for DC, and I realized after I turned in the final edits that oh, I believe everybody except the colorist on the team was a woman. Oh, cool! There was a woman. The artist was a woman. I wish I could say her name, but it hasn't. I don't believe it's been announced yet. So I'll keep that under wraps for now. But okay. she's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it was just such a pleasure to realize, wow, what a difference a few years makes. Like even five years ago, I don't think I would have ended up on a team like that.
1: Yeah. No, that's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, you have you have people like, you know, Justina Ireland and Delilah, you know, writing Star Wars too now. And so I love when I see these female names being attached to these iconic, you know, films and comic books. It's awesome. Absolutely. And yeah, I feel like my kind
3: of I don't know, cohort, a lot of people that I used to see at cons, there are a lot more women in sort of my, we're we're lucky, like we haven't had to fight as hard for this.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, when you're writing in an established, you know, uh, universe, how much research do you tend to do? Do you go back and read previous issues?
3: Yes, absolutely. I really try to get in there and approach it from a point of view of getting the feeling of it correct. Mm -hmm. Like going into the Star Wars uh, universe, when we were working on Legacy, we talked a lot about what made Star Wars so special. I mean, it's not special because it's science fiction, right? There's a ton of science fiction. But if you say the Star Wars feeling, you know what that is, as opposed to a, I don't know, Star Trek feeling, right? <laughs> written Star Trek. And it's, it's a very different, it, it, you, you know, the feeling, but it's, you have to capture it. So we talked a lot about what was intrinsic to that feeling. And in Star Wars, I feel like a big, a big part of that is the bonds and the family feeling between mm-hmm. friends. So we really leaned into that, like friends that believe that, yes, we will succeed by holding each other up and making each other better. It's yeah. like, okay, that, that has a lot to do with Star Wars. And it's a little different in in different properties. So usually going into something like, well, like, like the Expanse or something, I try to really get at what the feeling is within that, even under the, the outside trappings.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: I hope that makes sense. It's yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's That's
3: a pure a way to answer
1: that. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to capture the tone Mm-hmm. and the and the feeling because it to keep it consistent, essentially too. So that way when a a fan picks it up, they're not like, "Oh, this is a different writer. You know what I mean, They can kind of yeah. just get back into the story
3: exactly, because I feel like the most important thing about these franchises and the way people interact with them is how they make them feel. Mm-hmm. And- You want to feel a certain way, you watch a certain thing, you know, you feel like a a badass, you might want to watch Fury Road, or you might want to watch something different a different day. But it's because of how it makes you feel, I think. So
1: yeah, try to honor
3: that when I'm working on a franchise.
1: Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like the whole nostalgia of everything. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, now, Invisible Republic has a very chilling premise. I did read the first issue online, really interesting, really cool art. What inspired the story? You know, we, it's funny. It actually comes out of old folk song.
3: That was a very political folk song about Arthur. It's called Arthur McBride, you know, like, so. Okay. And it's about somebody on a beach trying to be recruited into an army. And they're basically like, hell no, I'm not going to go fight for you for (laughs) what reason? And we talked a lot about this particular folk song and how that was so universal because even though it was written about one particular space and time and a particular war, anybody can tap in well, again, anybody can tap into that feeling. Mm-hmm. Right? Especially if something is going on in your own time that's an upheaval and it feels like a I don't know, an insurrection or a revolution <laughs> or however. Approach this, you can tap into that feeling. and just the story kind of grew out of the conversations we had about that and what that would mean. And in the in the the song, it goes, me and my cousin one Arthur McBride. And we thought, well, what if the cousin is female? And then everything grew out of that. And I thought a lot of how women are actually often written out of history. Mm-hmm. that that part of that story, how, his cousin, the female cousin that was so important to that story became sort of disappeared and what that means for how people remember history. And those were the things we wanted to explore.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And how many issues is that? There are actually three volumes. Okay. Um,
3: Had a plan for it to go to six. It is very difficult to keep a creator owned project going on a regular schedule Mm -hmm. because you can stop and Make money, hits. Yeah, kind of
1: do everything. Yeah,
3: exactly. And it, it's it's actually been very successful, and we have, you know, we've ended up selling it in other markets and other languages, and oh, cool. talked to other, you know, forms of media about it. But it just takes a long time for your initial investment to pay off. So we also didn't want to start another issue without being able to finish it. So we okay. wanted to make sure that another actually a whole volume would be done before we announced anything about it. So, okay. Have you done Kickstarter with it? No, we've always, I've actually never for all the Kickstarters that I have, where they are legion that I
1: have,
3: (laughs) 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 I have never tried one myself. I've always been a little leery because I'm so I've, I've been burned myself with Kickstarters Mm -hmm. and I would hate to burn anyone.
1: Right. Yeah, like not have it ready in time or something.
3: Exactly. And, you know, life happens and fulfillment problems. And I just, I'm a little leery, but that is a possibility.
1: Yeah, that's understanding. Definitely, like understandable for sure, because it is a lot of work and commitment. And uh, like you said, when you're doing it yourself too with with you know printing it literally printing everything yourself <laughs> it gets a little hectic and then if you're getting called to do things that are paying you more and you have to pay Easy. bills you know
3: anything yeah <laughs> you gotta pay the shipper you gotta pay and this year has just been so chaotic oh god yeah Between just well yeah everything I don't need to <laughs> yeah <laughs> thing
1: has them. it I, I've I've heard mixed things from you know different artists but has the the last year of the pandemic affected your creativity in a good way or uh, a negative way? You know, it's
3: been very up and down. I found it's very, it's been extremely distracting the Mm -hmm. last year. I mean, my day I'm home from my day job right now because I'm in LA and we're pretty locked down. So I'm working at home from a day job. So I don't have a commute. So you'd think I'd have all this extra time
1: (laughs) yet. I think it gets eaten by doom scrolling. So, <laughs> yes, definitely. It's so hard to turn off, you know, the social media and and the news. I finally started stopped watching CNN just because it was giving me anxiety.
3: <laughs> right, right. It's been very I'll get on a roll and I'll be like, "Okay, I'm going to get all this work done and I'll it'll last for a little bit and then some huge thing in the world will blow up and I'll just be like, uh,
1: "Well, there goes that week." <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to get back into like that creative space, you know, last week with everything that happened in the Capitol, I was literally in the middle of writing a book. And I literally for 48 hours I couldn't I couldn't do anything but watch the news. It was horrible. Right?
3: It, yeah, exactly. It was I was in a work meeting when that um initially happened. And about every five minutes somebody on the Zoom call would break in and and say, well, I'm sorry, but I need to give this update. It's important. And it was just Eventually, we all just forget it. it. Calls over,
1: yeah. It's just part ways. <laughs> Go open some wine, and <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just settle in for the
3: day. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, as a writer, I, I've never written with someone else, so I'm curious. I know you've you've co-written, uh, especially Invisible Republic. You co-wrote that. How? What is that process like to to write with someone else? You know, it's interesting.
3: I've written with a couple of different people. I've mostly co-written with with uh, Gabriel Hardman. I've also co-written a nonfiction book about dinosaurs with Brenda Scott-Royce and and a couple other things with people, but usually how I approach it is sort of egalitarian, like Hmm. throw around a whole lot of ideas, whittle them down, make notes. Somebody will go around and try to hammer those notes into something that almost looks like it could be a list of ideas and then talk about how those become a plot. And then kind of separately talk about the feeling, because that's always really important, like what feeling and what tone will this convey? And also about the characters. But to me, the characters and the plot are kind of the same thing in the the characters react in however they're going to react because of who they are. And that kind of produces the plot. So it's hard for me to talk about those things separately. Interesting. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think that just might must be how my mind works. I know other people do it different ways. Yeah. But then, like, when we're working on Invisible Republic, say, or Green Lantern, um, just talk it through, talk through the beats of the story. And, of course, it's different working with somebody who's also an artist because they're going to have a lot of ideas about the visual. Mm. Like, I am I understand how that stuff works, but I am primarily a wordsmith. I'm not a visual artist. So. Right. I usually back off, and even when I'm writing scripts for somebody else, I try to leave them the the space to interpret and tell the stories they're going to tell it, because that's really important. So I try to leave enough space in whatever I'm doing, if I'm co-writing with somebody who's an artist, for them to put in their visual ideas, too.
1: Yeah. So do you go like back and forth with panels then and and sort of like, here's what I've written and, you know, now you can add to it or you can, you know, here's the inspiration for the art. Yeah, definitely. I mean,
3: with, with Invisible Republic, especially it was, we'd go back and forth a lot of the action he would be in charge of because he's, you know, he works on big movies too. So action is his thing and the diary entries that are, that are Maya's, most of that is we talk about what would go in them, but the actual wording on that is mostly me. Oh, cool. So it's sort of like who has the better feel for which character, but then whoever thought that something really didn't belong, that thing would be out. Like okay. we would have veto power over anything. And a lot of it was too, we'd go decide, okay, you research this, you research that, come back with the ideas. So it was really very collaborative in that way. It wasn't like I will write page one and you write page two or you write issue two. It was a lot more collaborative than that.
1: That's cool. That's really cool. And, you know, you brought up another uh, comic book that you did, Aliens Vampirella, <laughs> um, which I just thought was so cute. Like, it's just very campy, which I love campy. Oh, uh, it's <laughs> awesome. It's such a mashup of characters and genres. Whose concept, like whose idea is that uh, concept and like how did you prepare to, to write in that?
3: You know, that's funny. That actually was an idea that came from from the editor. And uh, yeah, and he was just like, hey, I, we got this thing approved. Do you want to take a shot at it? And I was like, well, hell yeah, because <laughs> actually I adore Alien. Like that is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Aliens as well. So the chance to put that together, I immediately thought, oh, my gosh, Vampirella, Vampy can live through a burster." <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. Yes. So that made me really want to to write it. So but then of course because it's me and I tend to write really melancholy horror okay. as, instead of like slashery horror, it, there ended up with a very, very melancholy vampires on Mars situation there that
1: I've always been kind
3: of like, gosh, I wish I could go back and write the whole story of the very sad vampires on
1: Mars. <laughs> I love that actually. It <laughs> makes me want to read it even more. <laughs> I love that dark, sort of, you know, loathing, self-loathing vampire that's like, woe is me. (laughs) I just couldn't resist, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it it makes you also wonder, like, where else you can put vampires. You know what I mean? They kind of just fit into everything.
3: Yeah. I was just sort of like, at first I was, when he first told me the concept, I was sort of like, okay. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well,
1: yes. (laughs) (laughs) And go anywhere, so. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely, that's on my list now to read.
3: <laughs> I had so much fun writing that, I have to tell you. That was just such a blast.
1: <laughs> oh, it, yeah, I can just imagine, like, the stuff you could get away with, you know, and just the different, <laughs> just, there's no limits to creativity with something like that. Yeah, you get your sci-fi and your horror. You get sort of a haunted house, which I love the
3: haunted spaceship mm-hmm. of thing. And, uh, so it, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> well, I definitely want to talk about your newest project too, of course, which you mentioned The Expanse, mm-hmm. um, which is based on the, the television show that I have still not finished. I'm like in early, early episodes of the first season because everyone was like, you have to watch this show. It's this hidden cult gem, you know, You're essentially. coming, Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So were you familiar with this show before you started writing? Oh, yeah, actually, I really was because it's a funny thing. All the time at
3: cons, people that really liked uh, Invisible Republic would come up to us and go, you've got to watch this show. I know it doesn't, people don't talk about it, but you would love The Expanse. And we were just like, huh, interesting. And they're like, it's not like Invisible Republic, and yet it is. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, oh, I see, because it's so full of politics and just the, sorry, I have to take a drink of yeah, water. Absolutely. We're having some Santa Ana winds here, and it always uh, upsets my allergies a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, I'm in um, Central California, so we get that here too. It's horrible.
3: Uh, You know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, all that uh, that dust. So yes, so yeah, so we I finally um, watched it, and I was just I was blown away by just how intricate this this world was they'd set up. So.
1: That's awesome. And so what the comics are based on what part of the show, if at all, or are they a continuation? Yeah, it's actually, it was a
3: really interesting challenge because they're just now airing the fifth season. So the comic was supposed to be a bridge between the fourth and fifth season. And it's really interesting because they wanted specific characters and what they were doing between the seasons. Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of shows, this would maybe be difficult, but on The Expanse, the characters are so realized and you really believe they have lives that continue after, like after they're not on screen. So I thought it was a really
1: interesting challenge. That's really cool. And are you going to do more for the show, do you think, after these? I know this is just a four uh, four issue miniseries, but do you have any plans um, to do anything further down the road with them? gosh,
3: not that I, that I know of, but if they offered, I would be thrilled because I love working in their, their universe there. It was, I love the characters and I got to write my two favorite characters for the show, which was fantastic. That's so cool. They, the team they put together for the art and colors, Alejandro Aragon. And it was just, it was amazing to work with everybody.
1: Awesome. And that is, is that out now? That yeah
3: actually the second the second issue is coming out on, oh my gosh on inauguration day. So I know no one will pay much attention to it right then, but maybe the day after people will like to pick it
1: up. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. So, oh so January 20th yeah yep. of course.
3: <laughs> yep, yep and the uh, first issue was out in December.
1: Okay. Awesome. So then you get the first issue now and then buy the second issue and put it next to your bed, you know, essentially. And then when you're done watching the the news, you can have something to escape to. Right. Exactly.
3: Yeah. It's the timing. I'm just like, wow, if anybody notices that any books I'm working on are out right now, thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. Last year, I was putting one of my books together and I was going to release it. Uh, and I picked the day and everything. And I thought oh, it was a great day. And then I just dawned on me, I was like, this is election day. No one's going to buy my book. They're going to be at the polls.
3: <laughs> right. Exactly. It's so, and you know, it's not like, hey, pay attention to me.
1: But uh, yeah. <laughs> I sort of feel like,
3: eventually when you get around to it,
1: we all worked really hard on this book, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, well, that's a great thing about books too, is that, you know, they don't expire. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is I thought it was really cool that you worked on is Court of the Dead. Oh, yes. That was an amazing experience. Oh, that was so much fun. It's so cool. I, I had not heard of it. And so I looked it up because I do like... That genre, and I like tabletop games and things like that. So, and it is a tabletop game, right? Because I was trying to figure out: is this just a book, or does yeah. it a companionship for a game? It was funny when
3: we were working on it. It was a concept, and it was just the the. Well, I worked on it. Was I should mention I worked I co wrote it with Landry Walker, who was I love him. He's so great. He's just has the greatest ideas, and he's just such a generous collaborator that I just can't say enough good things about him. So buy all of his books, please. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, when we were first working on it, it was just a concept and Sideshow Collectibles, you know, they do all of those amazing statues of other things and this was their IP. So they were like, "Well, we 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 have these concepts, but we want to build a whole world around it." And then it became games and and other things. So and comics and, and this beautiful book, but the book was basically laying out the world of this, these characters and this concept. So what we got to do was really dig in and just work with the creators and make this kind of come to life with
1: all of these amazing artists. Wow. That sounds like such a fun project to work on. It's just creating a whole new world from scratch, essentially, I mean, with you know, with the guidelines, I'm sure. But still, I mean, it must have just been so much fun for you to like, kind of unleash your creativity.
3: Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. We would go, actually, we'd have these day long, and sometimes multi-day long, (laughs) just confabs at the sideshow offices, which are amazing, because they have these, well, if you've ever seen the, like at San Diego, or one of the other giant cons, sometimes Mm -hmm. they have, a setup, and they have these huge life size, like they have a life size of whoever like oh they had a giant like alien and they have just things sitting in their hallways that are so cool (laughs) this was in my house giant dinosaurs and just all sorts of things so going to their offices was so much fun and i'm lucky that they're here in southern california and we would just have these epic just periods where they would show art and say okay well this is what we think that this character will look like and here's how she'll be dressed and here's what she carries and here's our ideas for, her and let's flesh this out. And it was just uh, so much fun to be able to, like you said, just kind of let yourself go from there and go, okay, this is probably her backstory and what she's
1: like. And- well, Yeah. Now the art was beautiful too. I mean, just the, the book, and I was reading some of the reviews on online and like literally every review is just in awe of the quality of the book, you know, and just the story and then the artwork as well.
3: Yeah, I pick up that book and I can't even believe that, like, I see my name on it and I go, really? Because it's just such a a beautiful coffee table book. Like, I'm so lucky that I got to work on that.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. I was like, okay, another thing I'm adding to my list (laughs) that I need to get. (laughs) And also, I I major just
3: thank yous to the folks at Sideshow for hiring me for that project because often... I feel like, just going back to what we were talking about originally, often women don't get hired for things where some, a lot of the characters are male, and especially mm-hmm. in the horror genre. And this is very dark and, you know, it features death. And, you know, I got to write all of these warriors who were these big, tough men, and also a lot of tough women. And it was just great that they didn't at all be like, okay, Landry, you work on the dudes and green. <laughs> on the gals and it was totally that Landry and I both worked on um, everybody so that was I thought just such a experience that I don't often get to have so
1: that's really cool to hear actually makes me want to support them more you know and support their books more yeah yeah, I was I was actually because I didn't know what to expect going into this but it was a really positive experience that's awesome Well, well hopefully maybe you could do something with them again in the future I actually recently wrapped another project with them, but it hasn't been announced yet. So. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> well, we'll keep it on the hush-hush for now. <laughs> You'll have to come back and talk about it then. <laughs> I do really like to work
3: with them though. So yeah, if, uh, anytime okay. they want me back, I'm
1: more than happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you were nominated for a Hugo? Yes. Yes. That's awesome. What, what was the nomination for? I know it was like, was it? That West? was
3: actually for In- Invisible Republic.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. Congratulations.
3: That was was a huge thing for me and something I never thought would happen. It was was funny, though, because it seems like people either know what a Hugo is or isn't. And I called it my mom. I was like, I was, I was, you know, our book was nominated for And she was like that's great. <laughs> it, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, you know, that are not, you know, in the world or the industry, like, yeah, they don't know what it is, but whenever I'm trying to explain it to someone like so-and-so Juan Hugo, I would say it's like the Oscars for, you know, comics or books <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> or video games or.
3: Yeah, I was, that was, boy, was, I would, that was a huge surprise. I had no idea that was going to
1: happen. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. I bet that also helped put your name out there more, you know, just to be able to to attract more attention to your work. Definitely. Yeah. That was a big boost. That was that was very helpful. That's awesome. And you also write prose, which you mentioned too. Do you do you plan on ever writing like a prose novel, full-length novel or and publishing it? Gosh, I sure hope so. I have two actually that are
3: ooh just a hair below being finished. Okay. And I just need to get the wherewithal to to get them out there. It's so hard to let go of of prose I find because yeah. well when when I'm hired to write something there's a deadline and you have to let it go, right? Yes. <laughs> but I do have two different ones, a historical horror novel and the other one's a more contemporary kind of melancholy sci-fi horror thing. So yeah, some That's so cool. someday I hope so. I I sure enjoy writing them. I just need to learn to let them go into the world. <laughs> I know
1: the feeling. Yeah, it's you want to kind of work on them and work on them till you know. I have to finally push myself away and say like I can't edit this book anymore. Like it's done. Like you have to <laughs> set it out there into the world, set it free. I so admire people that
3: that actually finish their novels. Like even even folks that are like, well, I did it and I didn't do anything with it. Like oh my gosh, you finished it is like, that is a huge accomplishment. And to actually write them and put them out there and allow them to be in the world is such a huge accomplishment.
1: <laughs> Kudos. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a lot of work and it's super challenging, but it's also very rewarding too. Yeah. Once you, once you do it, you're like, yes, I did it. Now I can do it again. You know, <laughs> it's always the first one's always the hardest. Oh well, Yeah. It's,
3: I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's true. I just gosh, gotta let that thing go. I just gotta.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. You said, have you had anyone like beta read for you, like get, get other eyes on it at all? Just my little writing group. I have a very intimate circle of some
3: friends and it's a little bit of a cheat because mostly we all are great admirers of each other. Mm -hmm. So we pretty much say, yay, you're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that the other two in my group are super awesome, and I am not lying when I say their work is completely wonderful and they need to immediately publish. But when they say to me, I'm like, yeah, but you're my friend. I really need to let somebody who I know doesn't like me read it and see what they have to say oh or something gosh. like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or, it's like your your own like worst critic, right? Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. So <laughs> it would be interesting, like for you. I think just based on what I've you know read and seen your work so far, I think you'd be like great for the DC Icon series.
3: Oh, I would not say
1: no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's put that out into the universe for you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be really cool. And I think they're mostly, except for one, I think they're all have been written by, by female authors. I think you're right, actually. Yeah, I think one was, I think it was Spider-Man, maybe. Or no, not Spider-Man, Superman.
3: Yeah, without having a list in front of me, but I think you might be right. Yeah, gosh, it has changed so much over the last, like, I just think it's amazing how much change has come to the industry in the last just several years
1: yeah it's it's really nice. you know you notice it when you go to cons, like you were saying and and just in you know the the interviews now and it's like there's female editors and artists and writers, and it's just awesome that you know there's not just getting a seat at the table but actually like streamlining series and headlining them, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And I've been so
3: encouraged that often when I've been teamed up with somebody lately, it's not just like, oh, it's another white lady like me. It'll be somebody of color
1: Mm -hmm. or, you
3: know, somebody that in the past, like even when I started in comics, gosh, how many black women were there? Hardly any. Yeah. And obviously it's not because they didn't want to be there.
1: (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it just, and you know like LGBTQ and trans that's starting to the doors are opening more for that as well which you know we never saw at all even just three years ago four years ago
3: exactly and now I can name off I don't know three or four people that I know personally that uh fill that bill so that is fantastic to see so I'm I'm so encouraged by that
1: that's awesome. Me too. Yeah, it makes well. It, it it's nice because you know I I was raised you know in the eighties nineties not to age myself, but okay, I understand exactly where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you know we weren't really encouraged as you know little girls to to read comics or. Play video games or anything like that. So I didn't really start reading them until I was in my twenties, and and now you know I I love them and I can't imagine not ever reading them before. But it's nice that we now have that kind of society set up to where girls that are growing up, it's acceptable for them to read it. You know, it's encouraged
3: absolutely and i'm really pleased that there's so much you know the boy they outsell the other stuff the the graphic novels that are for young adults and so much of that readership are young women and and you know teens and tweens and depending on the books of course oh yeah i don't Unless maybe I just couldn't find them, although I was an avid reader of pretty much everything, and <laughs> been available, I would have read them. But yeah, when I was a kid, I, there was nothing like
1: that. So there really wasn't. I mean, I remember just you no, know, like there was the typical superheroes, you know, the Batman, Spider Man, you know, when a Wonder Woman was around too. But you know, you just you didn't really know about it. I mean, you just weren't really encouraged, and you'd see the cartoons and things like that. But but mm-hmm. as far as reading the comic books, you know, that's not what my parents were, were getting for me.
3: No, and I think the closest thing to that, it was actually the first comics I really followed were Love and Rockets. Oh, okay. When I was a teenager, a friend got some of those, like, I think she bought them in a record shop or something, you know, <laughs> like a literal record shop where you would buy vinyl, like some off, you know, like, yeah, like, the weird stuff is in this shop. So, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, well, is that what comics can be? Because it, it was such a surprise, you know, it didn't look like other comics, so.
1: Yeah, and it's just, there's so many different genres now, like that you can, you know, if you, if you don't want to do superhero comics, there's, like you said, the horror and, you know, there's romance and there's just the, the young adult and the very dark stuff, vampires. I mean, really anything you can find now in a graphic novel.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great because
1: I think people are finally figuring
3: out that, Oh, comics are a medium, not a genre. There are right. all genres in this medium.
1: Yes. Exactly, 100%. That's a great way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and what other genres do you think you'll, you know, possibly want to get into in your career? Yeah.
3: You know, it's interesting. I I really really enjoy oh, I really like sci-fi and I feel like there's a lot you can do with with science fiction. And I don't know if that's because I have a background in science, so it kind of comes naturally. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed that. And I just enjoy sort of, I don't know what how you would categorize it, but just sort of weird tales, like stuff that's sort of off the beam. Okay, like speculative fiction? Exactly. Yeah. I've actually, you know, what's funny is you would think that would be applied more to comics. Like you'd think a lot of Charles Burns stuff, mm-hmm. I would love speculative fiction. And I never hear anyone calling it that.
1: You're right. I don't either. Yeah. I hear it a lot in, in prose in the, mm-hmm. the book world, but yeah, I don't hear a lot of that. I hear a lot about metafiction. That's like the newest thing that I keep hearing about what? lately. Have you ever tried that? Not yet. Not really. i I need to get out of my bubble more. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was till about two months ago. <laughs> I've read about it, but I need to like, I need to get in there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just got my first one, my first comic that has, you know, written in that style with Metaviction. So let you know how it goes. <laughs> I have to report back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, speaking of your science background, I did read that you're a zoologist.
3: Yeah, well, that's that's what my degree is in. Um, my day job is I'm actually a fossil preparator. Oh so my gosh. What that, does that entail? Oh, it's the best job in the whole world. I mean, <laughs> writing too, but yeah, it's actually, I work, well, when I can go to work, I work at the Natural History Museum and we sometimes go into the field and we actually dig up dinosaurs and other assorted prehistoric creatures and oh, wow. In the lab, depending on how big they are, like one of the jackets I'm working on now is a couple thousand pounds and it's got a big old diplodocus neck in it. So it's, when you collect these things in the field, they're dirty and full of, you know, you encase them in plaster and they're not maybe completely, they're broken. And my job is to put them back together. So researchers and the public and wherever they're meant to go can actually look at them and appreciate them and study them Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's just a fantastic job it involves a little bit of artistry in that sometimes you need to figure out ways to reinforce this thing so that it is stable and sometimes it involves a microscope if it's something itty bitty Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
3: it's just it's great and it uses a lot of chemistry which I almost minored it I was one class shy of minoring in chemistry wow (laughs) That's awesome. You're very smart. (laughs) I don't know about that. If I was really smart, I would have stayed an extra um, semester and gotten that one more. (laughs) I wasn't smart enough at the time to go, oh my gosh, please just let me out of
1: school. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I've had enough. (laughs) I'm done. Okay. I'm done. (laughs) So interesting. Had you, like when you were a kid, did you always want to be like in that field? Yes, I have taken a very circular route
3: to get here. When I was a little, little kid, I told everybody, I want to be a paleontologist. But mm-hmm. That's what every says, right? That's, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe that's not what every girl said when I was growing up, but yeah, that's what I wanted to do. And then I got older and I got into like, oh, I'm a girl. I can't do science. I probably can't do math. <laughs> a little bit of dyslexia. How am I going to conquer this? And so I started doing anthropology and then I realized I really like animals more. Yeah, <laughs> more than people. <laughs> no offense, people listening, but uh, <laughs> you know, cats are better. But
1: anyways. Uh, <laughs> Agreed. I, I love my cat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, eventually I, you know, I didn't have a lot of money when I was first going to go to school. So I ended up working for a while and I ended up working. I was really lucky. I ended up working at the LACU in the research division and then I put, I kind of put myself through school and got finally got my zoology degree and then I just was like you know
1: maybe I can do this yeah so it took yeah. a long time but yeah <laughs> that's really cool story and have you ever thought about putting in some of that into like your characters or into like a future story about a zoologist you know on on Mars maybe <laughs> yeah you know it's funny it's I do have a story about a generation ship which I'm dying to find
3: a home for eventually that incorporates a lot of how that kind of thing would really work I know everybody has a story about a generation ship but still (laughs) yeah (laughs) no that's really cool and in Invisible Republic too I mean I really really enjoyed fleshing out the exoplanets and being able to play with with how different worlds would evolve depending on what they had on them and how how that stuff would go and in a lot of the issues I wrote little things in the back that were essays about the science that went into the issues.
1: Wow. That's like a really important skill to have when world building. You know, if you have that background already, it makes, I think it would just make the world building so much easier.
3: It's, if nothing else, it makes it easier to know where to find the information that you don't know.
1: Okay. That's the
3: most useful thing I found about it. It's, there's so much I don't know but I kind of know where the gaps in my knowledge are, so I feel like that makes it a little easier.
1: Yeah. So when you're doing your research, you're kind of like, okay, this is I'm on the right path, kind of a thing, and I can, right. yeah, that makes that makes sense. And,
3: and I kind of know who to ask, which that's really important. I feel like if you, if you want to be the kind of writer that does a lot of research, it's important to know who you should make friends with so you can ask the most questions. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's good advice and, and speaking of advice before we go I wanted to ask you I ask um, everybody this if I can for our listeners you know we do have a lot of uh, listeners that are writers and aspiring to to be comic book writers I'm sure so what advice would you would you give to uh, aspiring comic book writers
3: oh gosh I think well for writing comics in particular, I think the most important thing is to find some artists and be really nice to them (laughs) (laughs) because nobody wants to just read a script. Well, somebody probably does, but most people want to see a finished piece of work. So it's really important, I think, as a writer to just read as much as you possibly can and then absorb just so that you absorb the, the nuts and bolts of it. And then, talk to to writers and find out how to act or talk to artists, rather if you're a writer, talk to artists and figure out how to approach it because the comics are such a different medium than even like, I guess the closest thing would be like a screenplay, but it's not exactly like that either. So I feel like it's its own thing and you do yourself a disservice if you don't really take into account the art.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And study the craft, of course. Exactly. And other than that, just write. And if it's
3: bad, rewrite it. But Mm. getting that first draft down is the hardest thing.
1: It really is. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and talking to me. I've had so much fun chatting with you and getting to know you. Oh, this was a delight. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone listening, make sure to check out The Expanse. Second issue is coming out January 20th. And and all of our other great works that you can find online and at your local comic book shops, Invisible Republic, Green Lantern, Once Upon a Time. The list goes on and on and on. There's so much great stuff there. So yeah, check it out. And thank you again for coming on tonight. Thank you.
0: And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, <laughs> I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you got to go check out SpoilerVerse.com because at SpoilerVerse.com we have a plethora. Plethora is such a its such a snobbish word.
2: <laughs> I like it though. <laughs>
0: It's a good word. <laughs> we have an obscene amount of oh, interviews obscene. with amazing directors and artists of all walks of life and editors and writers. And oh my God, are you a lover of comic books like we are? And then there's so many, so many amazing people from the comic book world over at SpoilerVerse.com. And I highly implore you to go there and check it out.
2: Yeah, and while you're there, you can check out all the other podcasts on our network like Geek Geekdoms and Funny Book Forensics and Haphazard Adventures and Nerds from the Crypt and so many more. Misery Point out Radio. we episodes all the time. Misery Point Radio is about a ton of great stuff out there. Go check all of them out and check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you, every day on swillvers.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. We have a store link. You want to help support the site? We can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash support country. Or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it, you know, obviously, on all the socials. But if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public Discord server and come chat with us all day long.
0: I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once. And really, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing, because we're we're working our butts off to bring it to you. We are. We are. I guess there's only one left thing. One left thing? Yeah. I'm going to go <laughs> with it. There's only one left thing left to do. What's that? In an Oceans of Podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do. Open the mind and eat more.